Everyone has an opinion, but he's got the Von Hessler Doctrine. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. Live from Sherwood Forest, Hour 2 of the Von Hessler Doctrine begins now. I'm the aforementioned Eric Von Hessler, but I'm not alone. The doctrinaires are here. There's Jared Yamamoto. What's up, Eric? There's English Nick. Hello. And over there, right over there, that's uh, that's Autumn Fisher. Hello. Before we go into Autumn's segment, WTF, and she gets very angry, so I'm not going to step on her segment here. A lot of times I go off on a rant, and then <laughs> I have to hear about it through texting for the following week. Oh, wow. So I'm going to try not to do that, but I just want to say, what is this, April 3rd today? Yes. Past the my least favorite day of the year <laughs> that I had to deal with on Friday. April 1st, April Fool's Day. Can I say I hate April Fool's Day? I hate April Fool's jokes. I can't stand April Fool's people. You see how I walk that back from hate. Just I can't stand. I can't stand April Fool's people. And here's the reason why. Wait a minute. Is this an April Fool's, Eric? This is not an April Fool's. Are you sure? uh, Yeah, I'm being very... (laughs) You're a trickster. And I know that Autumn, Autumn is somebody when I go off on these kind of things, says, well, you just don't like to have fun. You Mm -hmm. know, and and maybe there's something to that. You just don't enjoy having fun. But I don't find prankers to be fun. I don't like prankers. And April Fool's Day is kind of like all prankers day. It's like open Open season. season, You can do whatever. Prankers paradise. Prankers paradise. (laughs) If we're going to be alliterative about it. And uh, I just don't... When I was five years old, one of my older brothers, they did that thing where they uh, they put salt in the sugar shaker uh. in the morning. Five <laughs> oh, years old, classic. getting ready for kindergarten. And when I was five, you know, I had parents, but I pretty much had to get myself ready for kindergarten. So I got a little bit of time. That's I had to so walk, sad. I had to walk to school. Oh. And, uh, and it was Uphill like, both ways. Yeah, 15 miles. In so the I, snow. It was, it was a, a neighborhood school. And so I'm just getting ready, and then they put the top on too loosely. All comes out. It all comes out. It's all um, salt in my, in my and it sticks sticks with me that day. I, there's a lot of things that I like about my older brothers. There's many things that I love about my older brothers. Them pranking me is not one of them. I think that prankers are pranksters are really mean people who uh, ra- they know they can't get away with stuff that they want to do. They they like to hurt people basically. You ever see what goes on in baseball in uh, spring training? Sure. And some of this stuff. I mean, it's not funny. It's 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 not funny. Where they where they make the minor leaguers wear the backpacks with the fairy dust and all that cruelty, stuff all over them. Cruelty. And on April Fool's Day, you uh, you give license to the cruel. And also, I don't find it clever. We're going to do a story, I think, later on when Greg's on about uh, Google put a, a thing in their Gmail, which I briefly saw, but I never touch anything new until... Uh, anything new in technology, I won't touch it or try it until three weeks go by and I've read about it because it's so much it will just mess up your stuff. But I saw this like mic drop Gmail thing that turned out to be an April Fool's joke. I, I don't laugh. I don't like April Fool's. I'm glad it's over. That's my rant. I'm not going to step on WTF. Yes, English Nick. <laughs> I, here's what's happening. I'm seeing a new picture of Eric Von Hester where you flash back to five-year-old Eric and you're traumatized. Yes. And that affects everything in your adult life now. I, I really think that the sugar on the cereal was very important to yes. me at that age. And to strip that away from me. <laughs> It's not funny at all. Well, it was cruel. It was oh. cruel. And uh, I'm not going to be cruel to uh, Autumn Fisher by stepping on her segment any Don't longer. Don't put salt in my segment. I shall not put salt in your segment. It's now time for... What the... What the... What the... Seriously, what the... WTF. All right, Autumn. Story-wise, yeah. what's the fun and games? So do you remember that story we did where uh, they found that knife 
on OJ's property. Yes. Uh, and this the police was, like took it and he framed it or he had it engraved. Yes, this goes back. It's a weird story where a, a few weeks ago it was like, oh, there's a knife and it was found on OJ's property, the murder scene, which by the way, that house has been knocked down. So this was buried in the backyard or something. And at first I thought, my goodness, this could be something. And then the secondary story that rolled out was, no, this knife was given to a cop in the late 90s and he decided that it was- A souvenir. Yeah, memorabilia right. of some kind. He had it framed. And then for some odd reason, last this uh, in the last few months, he decided to turn it over. So I never thought there was much chance that it actually was the murder weapon. What do we know now? Right. Well, the police have confirmed that the uh, knife that was found was not a murder weapon. However, it does seem pretty difficult to test something like that with so much time well, in between. Well, I don't know. DNA is uh, pretty sturdy, but this thing was underground, I guess. I don't know if it was in a box or was it just buried in the backyard. I'm not exactly sure. One thing about it, people in the very beginning sort of poo-pooed the idea and said the knife wasn't big enough. But uh, Mark Furman wrote a book. It's a really interesting book. I think it's called Murder in Brentwood. And Mark Furman is scandalous and controversial, and you can think what you want. But another thing that he was was the most efficient cop on the scene that night, took the best notes. So when Johnny Cochran got him knocked out, uh, that mm-hmm. was really, really good for for the defense. He wrote a book basically saying that he thought it was more like a Swiss Army knife. Huh. And the, the wounds are deep, but Furman's point is that he was angry and he actually was punching into the people and oh. so that his actual punch was actually going deeper in. Uh, so the knife itself didn't have to be as long. But uh, again, I thought it was a long shot. So now they've basically said this was not the murder weapon. That's right. And the way that they put it was kind of funny. He said, we have confirmed, we have determined there is no nexus, which I feel like is a very policey way to speak about things. You know, like (laughs) police officers never put gas in their cars. It's, you know, fuel in their vehicle. Yes, (laughs) it's very, it's a very, it's, it's police speak for we wasted some of your time and money. Yeah, uh, is, it's it's not important. It's not. Uh, it's this n- just knife. This is just a knife. I think the real. Im- <laughs> I think that I'm not exactly. I'm sure. I think the the uh, the real question here for me for you is I know you've been watching this OJ uh, show. People versus OJ Sampson. Is that over or is that like on for six months or I'm, I don't I'm, know. It's kind of a uh, gathering dust in my uh, DVR. <laughs> oh, so you started it and you were excited, but then it kind of grew boring for you. Well, it kind of got. I couldn't get a grasp on the um, tone, but now I've heard some other people talk about it and it's put some perspective on it. So I need to go back and watch it and that it's kind of campy. And so when you go into it, knowing that it's kind of like, tongue-in-cheek yeah, about very this very serious topic. Yeah, yeah, it's very, yeah let's do a campy tongue-in-cheek <laughs> send-up of uh, these brutal, horrific murders that took place. That's why I had trouble in the beginning. Yeah. Um, well, you know, for me, I was I was there. I was with Cato Kalin the day that the verdict came down. So I'm like uh, uh, Forrest Gump in my life. I've been sort of <laughs> helicoptered <laughs> really into are. different situations, <laughs> and I just happened to work with Cato during that thing. I was there. So I don't have any interest in – I lived it, man, and it was too much when it was going on. I just don't have any interest in, in going back and living it again. But I guess the ratings were huge. Give me another WTF. My brothers put salt on my cereal. <laughs> <laughs> That was Autumn as Eric as Forrest Gump. Thank you very much. So uh, my next story, Japan's elderly uh, have have turned to lives of crime because of the cost of living in Japan. (laughs) Oh, sorry. This story is so weird that I wonder if it's even true. You know what I mean? Like I know it's being reported all over the place. I I saw it on 24-hour news and I saw it online. And the idea is that they just have no money in Japan. They have seriously been in an economic 
depression or something for 20 some odd years. So it is tough there. But this idea, this story is that old people are committing crimes just so they can go to jail and get taken care of, get three square meals a day. Right. Because I think their yearly uh, sort of pension salary is $6,900 a year. Let me just say to people today, I'm, I have the benefit of being 51 years of age and have lived in this country that, that whole time. And uh, with all this hysteria about China and how they're taking over, you go back to the 80s and you just replaced Japan with, with this talk. The idea was not only were they taking over, but back then the idea was that they did it better. They did business better. Uh, they knew how to deal with employees and industry. We heard about all of them that made that movie gung-ho. They did, mm. the, learned about all this kind of stuff that, well, their employees like live at the factory and they work out in the morning. And we don't started they have a six-day school week too? I don't, I don't know, but my point is that they, uh, the whole idea was America better start acting like Japan really soon or else we're going to get completely devoured and they bought some real estate in new york city uh, i don't know if they bought the empire state building or another big building i can't remember what they bought uh but the whole thing was japan's taken over japan's taken over uh, well now let's look back in hindsight they've been in a depression for 20 years things change so uh and then i look at the thing with china now and how they're the end of the world for us and you know what their economy ain't doing so much so uh their old people most of their old people never got out of uh, serious po- poverty, whereas in Japan, perhaps the elderly enjoyed a certain way of life that they'd like to continue. You know, they, there must be the word must be that uh, jail is not so bad in Japan, though, because three square meals is one thing, but I wouldn't want it at the county lockup here. I'm sorry, I yeah. would, I'd go hungry before I would deal with county lockup for three squares. They'd probably get really good sushi. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that was some sort of stereotypical thing. No, I'm which just saying I they probably get great sushi in Japanese. Uh, Nick, jail. that's racist. Yeah, oh. let's ask Jared Yamamoto. Like, I oh. am offended. I cannot that. believe that you would assume yeah. that we get uh, sushi in prison in Japan. Market. This will be one of the outrage stories in English Nick's outrage corner when we get <laughs> yes. to it. Uh, t- yeah, me. breaking news. Jared is outraged. <laughs> yes. So I'm just saying to people who don't remember when you look at China and and the way Donald Trump China. China. And they're, they're going to be the, you know, it's the most important thing in the world. And we better get more like them. Or we better compete with them. You know, that's the same story we were told about Japan. Just like with the climate change. I go back to like the 80s and it's like, oh, the ozone hole. That's all we heard about, the ozone hole. Nobody talks about the ozone hole anymore because apparently it kind of healed itself up and then it started to break up again. And So I went from ozone hole hysteria, that was going to be the end of the world, to now then global warming, that was going to be the end of the world. Now it's climate change, more generalized thing is going to be the end of the world. And you know what occurs to me? If you look through history, guess what in human civilization? There was always a group of people talking about how the end of the world is nigh. I just think Yeah, whether one, you're a religious person right. or... I just think an environmentalist. I think we're more secular now. We're not as religious as we used to be. So we're coming up with secular reasons for there to be a group of people to tell us at the end of the world. Is it still flat? The uh, best uh, science tells us yeah. that the yes, indeed, the world is still flat. Okay. Question everything. Yeah, so that. if a scientist tells you that the world is round, then yeah, maybe you should question that. It's yeah. funny you say that because uh, th- there is that liberal bumper sticker, question everything, and now they have to add dot, 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 except climate change. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently we're not supposed to question that at all. All right, we're going to try to squeeze in another WTF story or two when we return.
The Von Hessler Doctrine on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Welcome back. I feel like I have to let this build. Back the Von Hessler Doctrine. Back in, if anybody wants me to sing for ACDC, I can do it. I know you. I'm back in the saddle. I can do this. You're stuff. being you're being uh, helped out by the allergy season. I think, That's a right. Bit. All right. So autumn, we are still in our WTF segment, not associated with the very famous and popular podcast of the same name. Hmm. We're just uh, stealing it for our little segment. So give me another WTF story, please. So apparently, Pez now, has a Pez giant. Is, hold on, oh. Pez is that candy. Where you get some of your favorite little characters, and apparently their throats have been slashed, and you open up their heads, yeah. and their body candy, is made of delicious pill-shaped candies. And yeah, pill-shaped candy comes out of the slashed throat of a lovable <laughs> character. Is what I see it. So right. uh, everyone loves this stuff, and so what do they do? Well, they every year they have this giant annual Easter egg hunt, um, but apparently this year it was very chaotic because there were too many people, too many uh, overzealous parents pushing oh, yes. over toddlers. And oh, so it's it was like a, a melee. So it's like one of those scenes like uh, Black Friday or something, Thanksgiving, like right. people getting into a Walmart at five in the morning, beating each other up over. Some Someone sort of- said that. They said it was worse than my Black Friday at Walmart. And apparently they were Southern. And she's, uh, now here I have a little bit. <laughs> a little, I thought I had some audio here. That area. So we started talking to folks of, hey, you know, this is supposed to start at a, a, a directed time that we've we've posted. Let's wait. We'll give a whistle. We'll give the signal to start this. And that lasted about a minute. And then folks just rushed the field and yeah. took everything. So when my son left, he had a broken basket and was hysterically crying. Well, there you go. That was just a success <laughs> all the way around. Oh, <laughs> Now, having when my children were young, that's not necessarily. You could have had a good time, and the kids end up doing that. But uh, obviously, look, you know what? <laughs> the problem is there were too many children there. That's the problem. Now there are no. No, adults. there were too many adults. No, that's what I'm saying. Children, adults aren't adults um, anymore. They act like I children. I wasn't getting it. Uh, you weren't following me. So here's the problem: is I guess they had more people than they expected, and in a rational world with <laughs> rational adults. The adults would pick up on this. Yeah. This is not a a, 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 a right that your kid get the, the most eggs or whatever they're looking for in an Easter egg hunt uh, for Pez. This is like a community thing. We get together, we're going to do this. And in a better time in this country, all of the adults would have realized as adults, oh, there's too many people here. So we have to let our adult minds take over and figure out how to let this company run this properly. Perhaps some of us leave. Maybe they give us a gift certificate or something along those lines. But no, there are no adults left in this world. We are all children. This is the downside of uh, 50 is the new 40. No, it's not. (laughs) 50 is still 50. 60 is the new 50. No, it's not. 60 is still 60. You're living longer. Maybe you look better. Maybe you're healthier. But 60 is 60. And this proves is that, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm go for the average age, uh, 45 is the new 10, apparently. And but this my is, child deserves yeah. more. 
Easter yeah. eggs than yours. This Because we were standing in line for two hours. We're here first. We're here first. We were here first. And right. listen, these are my eggs, just like they were put out there for me and my Rodney, son. Rodney, now don't you take that now. You go get that egg that belongs Dylan, to you. Dylan, get the green. There's four green ones right in front of your face. Madison, Madison, don't you back off. Uh, now, that get that. Push that girl, Madison, down. She don't need more eggs. Look at her basket's already full. Tyler, Taylor, get... No, you fight! You fight! Dakota, get your brother off of there and get more eggs! We've become an insane country. I thought that woman was going to say that her son left with a broken back, not a broken <laughs> basket. If that's the least of her worries. That voice there will deliver the outrages of the day in Outrage Corner when we return. Everyone has an opinion, but he's got the Von Hessler Doctrine. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. If it's Sunday, it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. And in today's Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution, you'll find a story that takes a deeper look at the state's $2 billion gamble on truck-only lanes on Interstate 75, and also... Hey, $375 in coupon savings. Ooh. That's why we say if it's Sunday, it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. Welcome back. I am Eric Von Hessler. That chuckler over there is uh, English Nick. I'm chuckling at Jared's reaction to the $375 in savings. Yeah. Gee, that's Woo. some cold hard cash That's right more alcohol for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Woo. Uh, that's Jared Yamamoto. Autumn Fisher is with us. And I guess it's time. You know, it's funny because before we ever started this show, I think this is the 59th, 58th, or 59th Von Hessler Doctrine. So we've been doing it over a year now. And before we started, we thought we want to have a, a spotlight on things that are outraging people every week. And the thing about it was we knew we would never have a problem in this world, especially this country, finding four or five stories uh, that spotlighted people who are outraged about something. And that's why we do this right now. Outrage Corner. That's outrageous. With English Nick. So tell me, this is the first week we just couldn't find anything. No one's outraged and everyone's copacetic. No. Okay. No. Sorry to, sorry to not disappoint you. Whew, thank goodness. We got, <laughs> we, we got time to fill. All right, hit me with the first outrage. All right, the uh, FBI are outraging people because they're saying, hey, we're going to unlock more mobile phones when lawful now. Now, because, uh, as we know, for weeks we got ready for this big showdown between the FBI and Apple yep. because Apple was saying that they were not going to write new software that would basically break open their phone for the San Bernardino shooter. Yeah, Saeed. Yeah, Saeed Farouk. Left his, left his. Now, there's a lot around that, by the way. There's a lot around that. Number one, the FBI screwed up. They, If they had done things properly, they wouldn't have needed Apple's help. There was mm -hmm. a screw-up in there. That's not, that's not enough to say, hey, you can't go into a terrorist phone. A lot of people, I've watched a lot, a lot of 24-hour uh, news, and a lot of people who don't know a lot about technology are saying, Apple lost this, it's not good for their brand, now people know that things can be broken into. I don't think that really happened here at all. The FBI found people who could open this phone 
one day before they were supposed to actually mm-hmm. uh, adjudicate this situation or begin the adjudication of the situation with, with Apple. And suddenly, with one day left, they said, oh, we found a guy and we don't really need <laughs> Apple, you're fine, which says to me, the FBI was pretty damn sure that they were going to lose that case. Uh, they would have sat on the fact that they had somebody to break it open if they would have felt they would have gotten the power to get Apple to help them, not just for that, but further on down the line. It's a very complicated issue as to what it was. I've looked at it as deeply as I can, and I came to the conclusion, even though I'm knee-jerk patriot, that Tim Cook was actually doing the right thing. Some of his demeanor I wasn't a fan of. I didn't like the whole Apple versus the government trying to deal with terrorism angle. But Tim Cook and Apple had a very good argument that is deep and that you really have to, can't be a TLDR millennial reader. You got to really read deep. Um, But it would have put in danger all encryption for everybody. And if that's going to happen, it should come out of legislation. It shouldn't come out of a a request, that that sort of thing. So that being said, I think the FBI did try for a bigger play here because Apple was cooperating in a lot of other areas. And I think the FBI got tired of having to go back and go through the procedures. And I think that, yeah, they thought this is a terrorism case. It won't be good PR for the company. They won't go against us. So the way that I see it is I believe that the FBI went for a bridge too far. Mm-hmm. And they they were pulled back. Now, here's, this is the way it's supposed to be done, okay? You have uh, the FBI and you have the CIA and you have other intelligence agencies. Uh, the FBI isn't strictly a spy agency, but there's a spy element. We hire spies, okay? We do this. And that's what they're supposed to do. Uh, the, the government is supposed to be able to find people who are just as smart as the people in Apple. As a matter of fact... The intelligence, as far as Apple goes, shouldn't just be what you can reconnaissance, recointer, I'm terrible with that word, shouldn't be just what you find uh, through your intelligence. I would imagine that Apple employees, uh, there should be some turncoats in there. The the, the spy agencies are working properly, then they can actually spy when they need to spy. They can infiltrate. This is the way things are supposed to be. So the outrage about them saying that they will help other police departments, uh, there are an awful lot of cases, murders and less, uh, many different cases where there's a phone that uh, a local police department or a sheriff's department can't get inside of. And basically, the FBI posted an open note to all these people saying, any technology we have, whenever the law allows, we'll allow you to do it in your cases. And I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't really have... A problem with this, as long as you have subpoena requests, the whole nine yards that we've always had. You know, when we were on the telephone system, when everybody was had a landline, you know, they, you had to go through a system, and then you could bug somebody, and you can get information on an ongoing investigation. I don't have a problem with that. But the challenge, I think, is that this government has to get with it, and you need people who are every bit as good as the people in Apple. You need to infiltrate Apple. I'm sorry to say this. You need to infiltrate Google. You have to have more than just your intelligence on the outside. You need people on the inside. That's the way the intelligence works. But I'm much. I'm not outraged by the fact that the FBI is going to help open other no. phones. I was outraged that the government was telling a company that you have to create something because we've told you to create something. This is the way it should be done. Let the spies do their spying, and I want to feel like my country can crack any phone. 
even though there's a certain danger to that. And at that point there, I mean, did people really not think that they couldn't break into an iPhone? I mean, an iPhone yeah. is, a, is a great machine, a great device, but it's not that complex. So I, I always question where, why the government didn't have the resources to break into it in the first place. This crazy, the, that's why I'm wondering if they did, if they knew that they could and were trying to get this case for a, for a precedent. I think Tim Cook was, was absolutely correct. Um, but, you know, there's, with iPhones... You should be able to break them, but I think Apple always knew how to break it. This whole thing is going on now where Apple needs to know how the FBI broke. I don't believe that. Yeah. I believe Apple knows their own vulnerabilities. It was never designed to be a really complex, secure, well, a secure no, phone. Well, it no, it's designed to be secure. I think you're wrong about that. The, 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 idea, the way Apple works and the way that, say, Google works are two different things. Google, everything's free. Basically, right. But what you're giving up is your information. That's the bargain. They get to sell the information. They make a gazillion dollars off of your information. It's somewhat anonymous, but it's your information, your shopping habits, your browsing habits. And they take that and they sell that. And the agreement is, well, you get all this Google stuff. Most of the software is completely free. You get all of that stuff for free. Your Gmail is free. Everything's free, but you give them the information. Apple works on a different uh, paradigm. This is, we invent these products, they're really expensive, you mm -hmm. have to pay top dollar for them, but the other side of that is, we don't depend upon selling your information for a revenue stream. So, I think people do think of Apple as being more secure, but nothing is absolutely secure. Now, I hear there's an encryption coming down the line and the way that they're going to make their next phone that they say is unbreakable. But I think that that is a temporary thing. Anytime you say anything is unbreakable, I think that's a temporary thing. Uh, look into entropy, and uh, the Titanic uh, was unsinkable. Remember? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which has yeah, nothing to do with entropy. I just saw that new Steve Jobs movie that's been out a while with Michael Fassbender, and he's how is that? I heard. I, I liked it a lot, yeah. man. The, the timeline and everything, but he's presenting that first Mac. And they can't get the voice demo to work. And yeah. he's like, well, we can't get into it. It's closed. So I thought it was kind of interesting that they can't even get into their own device. So. Yeah, I believe it, all things in the right place. Apple needs to try to design the most unhackable phone. And the United States government always needs to be one step ahead <laughs> yes. and able to hack it. And that's what spy agencies should do. And if you can't get into the phone, then you infiltrate the organizations themselves and you get a hold of the plan. Isn't I mean, it the same old, same old, though, too? If you're not doing anything wrong, if you're not breaking the law, you have nothing uh, to worry about. A little a dangerous, a little yeah. dangerous. That's a bit of a slippery slope. I'm yeah. not so sure about that because, you know, it's not a matter of just the law enforcement. Tim Cook wasn't arguing that. Yeah. What he was arguing was if we have to open this up, then no one's encryption is safe. And then you get into areas like China hacked Target. You see these stories, you know, China hacked or the military from North Korea hacked Sony. Well, if you want to make Tim Cook's argument was. We need encryption for 99.9% .9 of what we do in order for people to be safe. And so if we if we, we got to figure out a way to get around this one without bringing down the level of encryption. And I think in general, he's right about that. But also, comes with the caveat, you better not be given in to China for anything. You better not be given in to any dictator anywhere to get into their market if you're going to have this point of view of the United States. I agree with their point of view, but it needs to apply to the entire world. 
Uh, we have time for one more before we... Yeah, Chicago, we know it's violent up there, and there's this outrageous Facebook video right now from this guy, Brian Fields, 31 years old. He was back in his Englewood neighborhood, neighborhood and uh, somebody shot him live on Facebook. Chicago, the stories out of Chicago are in amazing these days. I think most of it is just from a couple of neighborhoods, and most of it has to do with drug gangs. Sure. But I saw some kind of stat where their murder rate is up 76%. Oh, it's the worst year on record this year so And, far. you know, it's, it's one of those things where I'm not the first one to say this. Where's Black Lives Matter? Because these are, for the most part, not white people being right. killed. Where, where is the outrage in, in, in a city like Chicago? Then this guy, I saw a little bit of the clip, but it was inside of another news story. So sure. it probably wasn't as horrendous. as. But it seems like the guy is back in his old neighborhood. And he's saying, yep. yeah, I'm back in the neighborhood, which leads me to believe that the guy was successful and he got out. Look, this is the main thing. that uh, This is the Von Hessler doctor on this one. If you grow up in a crappy, crappy neighborhood and you have the wherewithal financially to get out and you become successful, flush nostalgia down the drain. Never go back. <laughs> Run as far as you can. Remember, use the MC Hammer story. Remember MC Hammer? Mm-hmm. He had like $35 million and he decided, oh, I'm going to bring everybody from the neighborhood with me. Bought a house in the <laughs> Oakland crappy neighborhood, uh. built a mansion there. Surprisingly, no other celebrities want to live there. So he couldn't sell it for anything. Brought all of his friends with him and ran through something like $32 million in five years. It was flat. That broke. If you are from a crappy neighborhood and through your own abilities got out and were successful, don't look back. Run, run, run. Don't look back. If quickly. you go back to visit the parents and the friends, go straight to the house, go indoors. Don't make a video on the street. Buy them a new house and get them out of there. <laughs> All right. We'll try to squeeze in another outrage or two when we return. The Von Hessler Doctrine on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And we're back. I realize that I always say welcome back. I got in my head. So I'm switching it up every once in a while. I'm saying things like, and we're back. Or here we go. I'm trying to think of other things to say. You did say here we are at one point. I did. That was because I'm, I'm, I'm worried about saying the same thing. Yeah. So I, I Do you want feel out of sync now? I don't feel out of sync. I feel good. I just don't want people to think, God, that guy repeats himself every time he goes to break, and every time he comes back, he says the same thing. I'm sure nobody in our year and plus that we've been on the air has ever noticed, but it got in my head, and uh, I decided to do something about I it. I like the welcome back. Well, welcome back to like Outrage it. Corner. <laughs> yeah. So what's another <laughs> outrage? Oh, the, the boy, the man, whatever you want to call him. Justin Bieber has been outraging people because he says when he comes to Atlanta, he won't be meeting his fans. No meet and greet with Bieber. He stopped the meet and greets. Yeah. It, it drains the- him. He's mentally and emotionally exhausted to the point of depression. Oh, I'm sorry you've been an era <laughs> pop star. No, hold oh. on. Hold on. This is hilarious. So it's not just Atlanta. He's not saying I won't. No. I'm not going to meet the fans in Atlanta. He made a decision and he posted online. And when you're Justin Bieber, posting online means you've just communicated with everybody who follows you in the world. So yep. it's uh, perfect. And so he basically said, uh, 
I, I always I, yeah. leave these meetings feeling mentally and emotionally exhausted to the point of depression. I love my fans, he kind of says. I enjoy meeting incredible people, but I end up feeling so drained and filled with so much of other people's spiritual energy yep. that I end up so drained and unhappy. <laughs> the pressure of meeting people's expectations of what I'm supposed to be is so much for me to handle, and a lot of my shoulders never want to disappoint, but I'm going to have to disappoint. But I feel I would rather give you guys the show and my albums, as promised. You're right. There is nothing worse than listening to multimillionaires Ugh complain about how tough their life is. Now listen, show business is not as easy as, the, the trick is to make people think it's easy. It's so effortless to you that people believe, well, I could get up there and I could do that. And that's when the trick is 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 done properly. But it's not easy. I mean, you have to perform every night. You got to give your all. I understand that. But you know what it ain't? It ain't digging ditches. Yep. It ain't being a plumber. And you know what? Go do a real job for a while, and you'll realize that every job has its downside. Every job has its consequences. And as a multi-millionaire pop star, so does yours. You have to do some things that you don't necessarily enjoy, but they come with a job. Any kind, anytime you hear about celebrities, like, oh, I, I don't do autographs because I'm eating. Again, there are downsides to being a plumber. The downside to being a star is sometimes while you're eating, people will ask you for an autograph. Put on your big boy pants. Atlanta's his hometown, too. Come on, Justin. Atlanta's not his hometown. He's from Canada. He calls Atlanta his hometown. Uh, he's going to be here April 12th and 13th at Phillips if you're interested. He's like Ted Cruz. He's from Canada. <laughs> I don't even know if he has the right to be a pop star in America. I'm looking into it. I'm going to sue and take it to the Supreme Court. All right. We can't push it off any longer. My buddy Greg Russ will join us with stories from Studio B1 when we return.